We are on an adventure here, and I tell you what, those folks, in the way that they are sharing their faith, the way that they are out there, right, that's the third part of our mission here at K2, to be focused, to be tied, and to be what? Out there. We're going to talk about the adventure of being out there. And if you've yet to take this 50-day adventure, make sure you go online. The website will come up here behind me. And we're going to talk about this last part of the adventure that for many of us, it's like the absolute scariest thing that we could ever do. You know, there's this big loaded term that we have um, in the Christian world, and it's called evangelism. And um, that's okay. I mean, it sends shudders through your spine and, and all these things. It reminds you of guys like that. But really, all that evangelism is, is being out there. Just being out there. Being Christ to those around you. And, and you know, I think that that's still just, you know, how do we do this? What, what goes on? Why in the world do we not do that? You know, I mean, think about it. They, they, they have these little formulas, you know, like if everybody would just share their faith with one person and they would trust Christ, within 3.2 years, the entire planet would know Jesus, right? Have you heard this before? What are some of these things that keep us from being out there? I think that it's a scary thing, isn't it? I think some of the reasons why we're not out there, why we're not always sharing our faith, why it's not the first thing on our, our brain is it's scary. I mean, I mean, it's scary. It's a scary thing. Some of you might say, you know what, man, I just don't know how to do that. I would love to do that. Not that. (laughs) I wouldn't love to do that. But I would love to be able to share my faith more, you know, personally. I'd love to make that more a part of who I am. Some of you say, you know what, I don't do that because I'm afraid of offending someone. You know, I might offend somebody. This is, you know, I don't want to be pushy. Some people say, you know what, faith, that's like a personal thing to me. So why, you know, that's like a personal thing to every single person. So, you know, why would I engage in this process of being out there? Why would I engage in this thing called sharing my faith? Some of you, an excuse you might use to not sharing your faith is is you just don't have time. Um, The Buckeyes are on TV, maybe, or something, you know. Hey, I didn't get booed as bad this time. That's good. Last time I spoke about Michigan, you guys, like, assaulted me. I mean, so thank you for being, you guys are loving Really loving this morning. I appreciate that. So maybe the snow is just... You know, there's another thing that... Uh, there's another famous saying. Saint, it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. We can't really say if he said it. But he said this quote. It's a good quote. It makes sense. It says, preach often and if necessary, use words. Have you heard this before? Preach often and if necessary, use words. But there's a flaw with that. And that the proclamation of the gospel isn't just something that can just like rub off. So I ask you the question, how's that working for you? When's the last time? You know, because a lot of times people say, just be out there, just live out your faith. And people will just see it and they'll just come running to you and say, what is it that, that makes you so different? Now, how many of you have had that happen in your lives? I mean, frequently? Seriously, I want to know. One person? Seriously. It's, it's, it's not like people are running out to us every single day saying, oh, would you just tell me about that peace that you have down deep in your soul? I mean, that's a part of it. We're going to talk about that this morning, but it's not the only thing. We have to be intentional about this thing. And why? Jesus gave us marching orders. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It'll come up here behind me. It says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember, i like you to help me out. So get ready to help me out here. Ready? By reading the words. Remember that part? I'm the one that makes you read the words. Remember that? Okay. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will what? 
That's pretty good. I expect a little louder next time, all right? Let's keep each other awake here, ready? You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. What's the word witness mean? Proclaim. Give a story. Give an account. Tell about an event. Tell about an activity. Personally involved. Personally engaged. And I love the rest of this. We don't have time to get into it, but it's concentric. It says, I want you to be a witness in your own little Jerusalem where I put you. Into Judea, that's the next part. Into Samaria, and ultimately what? To the ends of the earth. So take it from where I put you and spread it throughout all the world. Matthew chapter 28, another one. It says, therefore, go and what? Make disciples. Go. You go. Therefore, go. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. Go and build a church? No. Go and and serve the poor? No. I mean, those are all important things. We do see that in the New Testament, big time. But it says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. John 20, verse 21. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending who? And you. You said me, I said you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, there's something that just strikes me about all of this. I don't know about you, but I mean, here's the God of the universe. Why in the world did he choose us to be his witness? Have you ever just sat around and thought, why doesn't God just like, you know, if he would just appear at the foot of everybody's bed one night, I mean, wouldn't that, have you ever thought this or am I the only weird one? Remember, I like you to help me out here too, right? I mean, why in the world, I'm weird, thank you. Why does he choose that? Out of everything we have in the world, out of all the technology we have in the world now, he still says, I want who? And you. To be my witnesses. And I think in scripture where Jesus walks up to a group of people and he says, you know what? Because the story of the rich man and Lazarus where it says, just send somebody back and... And if somebody from the dead goes and bears witness to them, certainly they'll know and trust in you. And Jesus said, man, if I sent one from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. You ever see this guy on TV, this freaky guy, Chris Angel? You ever watch this dude? Does that not freak you out? How many of you think, like, I'm like Mr. Skeptic, and I'm like, this dude is real. Like, he just threw a card flat through a wall. How in the world? He just walked up the side of a building. You with me here? But at the end of the day, don't you go, how did he do that? You know, I really believe with all my heart, if Jesus burst onto Times Square in downtown New York City and he started doing his thing, people would go, now that's freaky, but how did that dude do that? This is a con game. This, You know what? Because faith isn't just this external thing. And Jesus says, you know what? You are my creation. There's a little bit of me inside of each and every one of you. I have given you what? Remember the first one? I've given you the power. And now I just ask you to go out and be a presence for me. Now, I wouldn't have chosen to do it that way, but Jesus did. And I think we'll just leave it up to him. I'll change the plan. If, if I were in charge of it, I'd like change the plan. I'd be like, let's have a little meeting here, Jesus, because this doesn't make a lot of sense. But he said, I want you to be out there. Crazy, huh? I mean, he goes to this, this band of disciples that's hiding in an upper room and says, guess what? You just saw the, the most amazing thing you've ever witnessed in the face of this earth. I've just redeemed mankind. You know, the disciples are thinking, well, okay, when are you going to come back and establish your kingdom? He goes, oh, I'm not. You are. Wow. That's wild. 
That is some wild stuff. And today is, I, I just believe this with all my heart, today is one of the most important talks we could ever give. I've been doing this, I don't know, eight or nine years. And, and every time I get back to speaking about being out there, this, this thing about sharing our faith, I always come back to this fact that this is one of the most important things we could talk about. You know why? Because I believe this with all of my heart, that what we do today will absolutely alter the course of eternity. That if we all really get this thing, we will change eternity. We will not only change our world here and now, but we will change the face of eternity. And I believe if we can all get fired up about this part of our mission, we will absolutely change our Judea here in Salt Lake all the way to the uttermost parts of the world. It's happening. You're seeing glimpses of it. But until that fire burns down deep inside of each and every one of us, we are missing a huge part of who Christ calls us to be. Now, some of you are here and you're like, man, I don't even believe in Christ. What does this have to do with me? Well, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. You're on this journey and we want to welcome you to sit and go, listen, this is here to be. But the funniest thing is, man, at my church in Ohio, some of the best people that would witness for Christ were the people that didn't even know him. You know what I'm saying? They're like, man, oh, you're having issues in your life? Why don't you go down to that church? Because, man, they got some, they got some Jesus and some answers and some things that are, well, do you believe in that? No, I don't even know if I believe that, but you need to go, man. You, you, they like bring crowds. Seriously, some of the most evangelistic people I've ever met are people that don't even have a strong relationship with Christ yet. So bear with us here. But for those of us today, I really believe that eternity hangs in the balance. And this is one of the most important talks we could give. Matthew seven thirteen tells us why it says this. Jesus says, hey, I want you to enter through the narrow gate because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what? Okay, there's a pretty big highway to hell. ACDC made that verse famous. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a what? A few find it. See, this is what, I, I didn't make this up. Jesus said that eternity hangs in the balance. And I'm a follower of Jesus, so I'm gonna follow what he says. And he says, this is important stuff. Absolutely important stuff. So if you're writing stuff down, I want you to know one thing. I just, I mean, you're going to write down a couple other things, but I want you to write this down. If you're writing stuff down, write this down. When eternity becomes real to you, everything changes. When eternity becomes real and you grasp it and you see it and you smell it and you touch it and you taste it, everything in your life will change. Before I was called into the ministry, I was a police officer. I worked the inner city like the worst precincts you could ever work in Columbus, Ohio, which is a city way bigger than Salt Lake. And we had serious crime and we saw it every single day. Um, Just the worst of the worst. I loved being a police officer. I loved being able to help people. I loved the job. And God said, okay, you've done that long enough. I mean, if I could go back, if I were not a pastor anymore, I would go back to serving my community that way. I just loved it. You know what? There were some things that are forever burned into my mind that I'll never forget. You know, the times that I, I, I remember, I, when I talk about it, I can see it. It just flashes. And I'm sitting holding the guy outside of a Cadillac because he's dying in my arms. 
and people were rushing around. And, and, you know, when I think back on that, I think, man, that guy slipped off into eternity. Eternity became very real that night for me. I think about the times that I did CPR on drive-by teen, on, on, on teenagers from drive-by shootings. And I think about every single pump that I made and that night they went to be in eternity and it became very real to me that life is not, you know, when you're 22 and you're invincible and you're a cop and you have a vest and you have a, it changes real quick. Think about all the times I showed up, unfortunately, tragically at, at, at suicide scenes and I go, man, what? If Jesus could have been the hope of their life, I wonder if we'd be standing here today. I think about all the people from being a police officer or a pastor. I mean, I have, I have watched little babies die. I have buried little babies and I buried 92-year-old ladies. A dear woman to me used to sit on the second row of our church that was just as loud as this. And I go, eternity is just real. And one day we're all gonna meet it. And, and you know, in your life, you have that defining moment when eternity becomes real, everything should change. Now, I don't want to be one of these scary guys that like, oh, you know, you know, those guys are out at these concerts trying to scare people into heaven. And I don't know if that's how Jesus works, but he does call us to remember that eternity is very real. And not only, are we, not only did Jesus say, I've come to give you life abundantly while you're here. Remember that part? He said, I've come to give you life abundantly here, but he also talks a ton about the eternal. And when eternity becomes real, everything changes our job, our focus, our priorities, our pursuits, the way we parent, the way we live, the way we think, the way we spend our money, the way that we treat our bodies. Um, Tim McGraw wrote a song about it, didn't he? How many of y'all like country? Wow, are you kidding me? We must be in Utah or something. I mean, he wrote this song, you know, he gets diagnosed with cancer and he says, oh my goodness, I don't have long to live. So now I'm going to start living for, actually, it's kind of crazy. He starts saying that he's just going to live for himself. You know, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I rode 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved steeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And I said, someday you'll get the chance or something like that to live like you were dying right? Because eternity became very real to him at that moment. But why are we going to wait until we get that call? Or how many of us might not ever get that call? Because when eternity becomes real to us, everything changes. It'll radically alter the way we live and the way we die. Because you see, as followers of Christ, one of the greatest things that when I stand up in front of a, you know, it's kind of like this, like this box here is like a casket. And I've stood up in front of many funerals and the person's laying there and I get up and I get to say, you know, John knew Christ and we have hope that this is not the end. And I tell people all the time, whether it's an 18 year old person or an 88 year old person that's lived a full life, you know what? I don't know why, but I know what. I know that there is hope. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared. We're going to tear this verse apart just for a second. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? Now, some of you said, absolutely. People come up to me and say, what is it that you have? 
I think that's very valid, but I'm going to say that most people, you know, that's not just the norm for people just to come beating your door down. But man, if you live this kind of way, people will say, why do you have this hope? And that's the hope that we have. And I just simply want to give us, there's six little things. You're like, oh, see, pastor should never say that. You're like, six, oh goodness, six. I can do three, but six, there's six. We're going to fly through them, okay? I promise you. Um, I need some help. I need six people. Seriously, just come on. Don't, we're going to be here all day if six people do not come up here. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. I just need six people to help me. All right, so right now, come on. Please, six people. One, two, three, four. Come on. I need two more. Five. Who's my other million-dollar winner? No, now everybody wants to come. Thanks. Just, guys, just spread out across the front here. You guys are going to be an integral part uh, of what we do today. Thank you, guys and, and gals. So we don't have to leave a hole. I mean, you guys can kind of love each other. We're a loving church. We like to... And, and you guys are just going to stand there for a while, and you're going to help deflect the attention from me because you guys are a whole lot better looking than I am. Somebody agrees. So and, and this is what I want to do. I, I, I just want to say you, I, that there... What am I trying to say? You, you can fit into one of these categories, and we're going to show you how. Okay, let me, ask, let me just ask you this. How many of you use Macintosh computers, Apple? Seriously? How many of you, like, are Macs better than PCs? Are Macs better than PCs? It's awfully funny. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I find it funny that it doesn't matter where I go with my Mac. It always leads to conversation about Mac. I'll be in the middle of a coffee shop. Everybody wants to talk about a Mac. As soon as you start talking about anything in the world, it it revolves around Mac. You know why Macintosh does so well? Because they've created disciples. <laughs> Steve Jobs is one of the best disciplers that the world has ever known because he has little disciplers that are willing to go to their death for their Mac. And praise Jesus, I'm a convert. I'm just throwing it out. My staff for five years tried to get me to switch over, and I'm like, I'm only 35, be 36 next month, but I'm stuck in my ways, you know what I'm saying? And when, when I switched over and found the light, man, and got saved... And bought a Mac. That's bad. Here's what I'm saying, though. Here's what I'm saying. We're, like, way more willing. Like, if I threw out right now, how many of you love to share your faith? I mean, I mean, it didn't get as heated as the whole, do you like a Mac? I mean, if I walked out there right now, y'all would start spitting Mac. You would take over the stage and start talking all about it. Or why you hate it. You know, our faith has got to be that natural. Like everywhere we go, it's just like, yeah, like Jesus is like, you know, I'm not saying you're going to be weird. Nobody, I don't walk into the coffee shop going, I have a Mac and you are a PC. And you know you're lame because you've seen the commercials. So, I mean, it's not like you're jumping in going, I'm a Christian and you're going to hell and, you know, you suck. I mean, it's just not how it works. Let me, let me just throw out six different things of just six. There's a book called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And if, if being out there, this whole evangelism, this whole sharing your faith is low on your thing, grab this book because being out there is, is you know, we've said it. There's six different styles. And I do want you to write, I mean, if you write these down, it'll help. Because you will fit into one of these six categories. Matter of fact, I, we just lost one. Dang it. I'm sorry. I've offended somebody already. 
it just let's 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 get going on this because this little countdown clock annoys the snot out of me. First of all, the direct. Some of you have the style to share it directly. All right, Terry D. Everybody should wear a name tag. You thought, how does he know that? Here's the direct style. Remember this guy? Hello. You know, Jesus saves. I even wrote repent and Jesus saves John 3.16 on the side, okay? And I'm not making fun of this. And what I want you to do is just periodically when we decide to play our part, just hold it up and like proclaim the word of God. Okay, so hold it up to your mouth and just kind of hold up your hand like this, you know? like. And we're not trying to be weird with this because it's, it's you know, there you go. She's got it. Man, can you play all six parts? Some of you, I'm just kidding. You guys will do just as well. Some of you have this style. You're like Peter. You're bold. You're out there. You're ready to get it on. Acts chapter 2, if you want to look at it. With many other words, he warned them. It won't come up, I'll just tell you. It says, with many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accept... And those who accepted his message or her message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. But we got to remember this. 1 Peter 3.15 again. Put that back up. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Because Galatians 5.6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Now, I'm not just picking on this style, but this is the style that tends to get picked on. If love does not, we're going to get to this. If love does not permeate all six of these things, we're wasting our time. If the motivation is not love, if the motivation is to grow a church, it's wrong. If the motivation is to, you know, get people to agree with your views so they can vote Republican and follow your agenda and live the right way, it's wrong. Yes, exactly. Love has to permeate every single foundation that we have. We used to, like for those of you that are here and you're like, I don't even get this stuff. We used to have people that would sit on our stage and we would interview them and say, why are you coming to this church? Well, I'm just seeking it out. Well, have you trusted Christ yet? Nope. Are you close? I don't know. We weren't afraid to give people time and space and love. You know, one of the worst, if... if I posted this video on my blog. I could not believe it. There were some, some great Christians downtown a couple years ago at the, at the LDS. They have their big conference deal down there, right? You all know that. You're from here. So um, this guy's out there with the Book of Mormon, and he's, he's got it on like a fishing line, and he's dragging it on the ground. And he's like, that's what that book is. It's nothing but trash. I'd stop. And he's screaming this to all of these people down there. And it made me just want to vomit. So this is what I think about your book. It's going to send you, I mean, he's going on and on. Is love the foundation? Is love the foundation of everything we do? Now, I think with this style, if you have this style, you really have to be attentive to like the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I know that opens a big can, but you have to be willing. You know, sometimes when I fly on a plane, God just says, you know what? Strike up a conversation with the person next to you. I have this style. I can do this. And by the way, you're like, man, I could never do that. Guess what? It scares me every time still. Can I just throw that out at you? Every single time I go, "Uh uh-oh. I remember a flight not too long ago, this lady wanted to talk about Christ. And, you know, I wasn't leading her in a prayer. We didn't get down on our knees right there. But she said, I'm kind of open to this. I said, can I send you some books? I think I sent her five or six books that she was going through a divorce. I sent her something to help her with her marriage and on and on. Sent her the shack and sent her some other things. And, Man, I hope those seeds were planted. 
At other times when somebody's on their deathbed and they say, Pastor Charles, will you come in and like, will you, like my dad is dying. That's not a time for me to go, well, you know, maybe I'll come back next week if you want to talk more about it. It's like right then God says, you need to share me with them. So you got to really be attentive to this style, okay? Because listen, when eternity becomes real to you, everything changes. Some of you have this. The second style is this, put it up on the screen, is the intellectual style, okay? That means you guys love to rock things like this. This is your style. What's your name? Sean. All right, Sean. Sean's an intellectual. All right, Sean is... Like Paul on Mars Hill, Acts 17, it says, as Paul's custom was. I love that. I underlined that word in my notes. As It won't come up, don't worry. As Paul's custom was. See, it was just a part of his life to be out there. It says, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, verse 3 of Acts 17. Some people will not deal well with this, but they need to be reasoned with. Some of you have these big numbers. You're, you're my friends. Remember I said I had a PhD from Harvard a few weeks ago in physics, and it sounded really good. Those kind of people, they, they're right there. Now, I'm not saying we can prove to everybody. I mean, we've tried that forever. Well, we can prove that Jesus right. Man, seriously. But some people, you have this gift. Just pretend you're reading the book. That's your goal. You know, just, you know, you're reading, you're studying, because there are a lot of people. Let, let me read this to you. Some of this might make sense. Some of you go, this just may. If you draw a, a, a card from a, a deck of cards once, the odds of getting an ace and spades are what? Help me. One in 52, right? The odds of drawing ace of spades twice, this is where you won't get it, unless you're a mathematician genius, is one in 2,704. The odds of doing it four times in a row back to back is one in 7.3 million. Who wants those odds? You can take those five hours down the road. This same technique has been applied to all of the variables necessary to produce an atom, a planet, or to produce life by random chance. Are you ready for this? The same technique, if the calculation is done purely on chance, the probability figures comes up with numbers that is one chance in 10 to the 800th power. How many zeros is that? Where's, where's our physics people? And 8,000 or something like that? Or I, here's the point. The, the numbers go like all the way to the North Campus if you line the zeros up. That, that, is, your, that is the chances that these fit physics people give on the universe being just a chance. And famous atheists like Francis Crick and Anton Flew have agreed that, the chan- that chance is not a valid means of explaining these numbers. But they can't explain it. You know, I love telling people, if you want to argue about the Big Bang, I'll give you the Big Bang. Okay, go up to any scientist. I've taught my son. I said, you can stump any physics person in the universe. Well, how's that? Well, I'll give you the Big Bang. I'll give, okay, great. Bang, it happened, right? Ice, dusts, particles, atoms, neutrons, protons, all came together and, that's cool. I just ask him, I go, where'd that first particle come from? Where did that first piece of ice come from? Where did the first gas, where, where did these compounds come from that it cannot be explained? And some people go, oh, there must be a God. Some of you can reason like Paul. So we got the confrontational style. Do your thing, Tara. Okay. 
There you go. We got the intellectual style, right? Read your book. Read it diligently. Because when eternity becomes real, everything changes. The third one we have is a testimonial style. You've always wanted to hold this, haven't you? There's a little spit and stuff on it. Did you hear her singing before? So just be careful. Can you sing? Uh, I don't know. We can try turn you on if, if you want. Can you guys come and just give her a little? Um, she wants to sing. No, okay. The testimonial style. This is found in John chapter 9 with the blind man. Remember the blind dude that was healed by Jesus? Um, now, this is why I love Jesus. I wish I had time to tear this story apart. Jesus is not normal. Have you figured this out? He, Jesus never did anything that was normal. I mean, that's why he asked us. I mean, we would have created like a movie or we would have come to people's bedposts every night to tell them about Jesus. He says, I want you to do it. That's not normal. In the same way, he goes to heal a blind man. What's he do? He goes, oh, okay, I'll heal you. And he spits on the ground and he makes mud out of his saliva and he puts it on the dude's eyes and says, you are healed. Now the God of the universe could have just, he didn't even have to say anything. He'd just been like, and walked away. He could have just, I mean, or he could have hocus pocus, you know, or he could have blew on people. You know, you see him do that on TV and stuff. Um, he spits in the mud and he puts it on the guy's eyes and the guy's healed. And here's what I love about this story. If you read it in John chapter nine, the guy goes back and he starts telling everybody and they're like, really? And, and the crowd starts to go, I don't even think that's Billy Joe Bob who was blind. Have you read it in John chapter? He looks so different that we don't even recognize him. And it's not that his eyes were just changed. I mean, he looked so different. They were arguing over, could that really be the guy? Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, you can't help but radically change everything in your life. And you can't wait to shout the story. You can't wait to tell other people about what Jesus has done in your life. When's the last time you might not be the confrontational style. You might not be able to dig it through a book, but you can just say, you know what? I just was walking along. I was blind. I was an alcoholic. I was drunk. I was, you know, whatever it was. And maybe you were just normal and none of those other things. And Jesus came along and he changed you radically. And you want to share that with people. You know what? Your story is one of the most powerful things you could ever do to be out there. Just sharing your story and to say, you know what? I'm just as messed up and imperfect as the next guy. But Jesus radically changed me. I remember one time we had a guy sit on the stage. He sat right here. He was scared to death. Big hunter, fisherman guy that like he had, like people thought this dude has zero chance of trusting Christ, much less sit on a stage. So I paid the guy a whole bunch of money to do it. And not really, but he's sitting up there and he just shared a story. I walked him through. I go, Rod, just share your story. How you trust Christ. Just share your story. Afterwards, this other big dude, he's a big, uh, Dude was like six eight, like you know, hands the size of my thighs type guy, and he's a what an excavator, you know, just moving massive mounds of dirt. And he walks up, and he's like, "Just want to let you know, I trusted Christ today." And I'm like, "Yeah, praise God, man!" So what? What was it? I'm thinking, man, I must have given a great message, and it was the point that just, man, what, was it that quote I used that just put you over the top that I dug for? He's like, um. If Rod Edmondson can trust Christ as Savior and change, anybody can, and I want to be like that. Just shared a story. 
Because when eternity becomes real, everything changes. So we got the direct style. We got the intellectual style. We got the interpersonal style. I'm sorry, the testimonial style. The next one we have is the interpersonal style. And, and, um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 29, Matthew is recorded as throwing a party for all of his friends, right? You remember this? Write this one down, interpersonal. Basically, you're just a party kind of person. You're just, you're just, you, are you a party kind of person? I've got, some, all I can do, all I, I got some vanilla cream soda. I know it looks like something else that you have at parties. And I don't know, man, I got some pumpkin pie leftover mix from last week. So I'm sorry, we're out of like party material, so you get the lame stuff. But she's throwing a party with some pumpkin pie and vanilla cream soda, all right? Because you know what, Jesus, did you ever notice he wasn't normal? Did I mention that? He loved hanging out with, he hung out with tax collectors and, 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 and people that had leprosy and, and hoes and just people that, I said that. He hung out with the worst of the worst. I'm not even going to use the word prostitute because that's not the word y'all use half the time. Boy, she's a prostitute. You don't say that. At least not when I was in high school. I mean, he loved to hang out with those people that were so different that if Jesus came back to earth right now, I think the last place you'd find him is in a church. Hung out with those kind of, hung out with tax collectors. I mean, the only people like to hang out with them now are politicians. So, I mean, seriously, I'm just joking if you're a politician. It was just, just throwing that in. You know what? You, you have the ability. Man, one of the things that we want to do is um, we're just trying to build relationships out here. One, one or two times a month, we just want to invite people into our house and throw a Matthew party. And just throw a Matthew, and just... We're not going to have them in and just like go, okay, well, now's the time. Okay, we fed you and we've done this and fine food and fine drink now for the gospel presentation. Just get with people. Now, you can't just get with people and party all the time and never give them a reason for the hope. That's where you got to trust in Christ. But when's the last time you just gathered? It's not hard to go down to, we got Harmons and Smiths out where we live, right? Or whatever, you get your little fresh baked cookies, and, and hot cocoa and coffee and just invite, you don't have to do anything crazy. Just invite your neighbors over for cookies and hot chocolate. Do that this Christmas and just say, why don't you sit around and just share Christmas traditions? Isn't that always fun? You know, you hear people's crazy traditions of what they do. Why don't you just get together with those people around you? Here's why we don't, we all want to be the party style. Go ahead and party it up. You know, let's see your moves. That's pretty good. Come on, baby. It's not hard. Just here's what's hard. You know what you need to do? Like we've been trying to do this with our neighbors. And finally I looked at my wife. I go, I just need to preach and practice what we preach. Here's the hardest thing. If you don't go home and put it on the calendar, it will never happen. So just stick it down there. Stick it out like two weeks from right now. Go home and stick it out two weeks and say, we're just going to invite some neighbors over, have some cookies and hot cocoa or whatever you want. And we're just going to hang out and get to know people. You'll be surprised at what they'll share with you. You'll be surprised at what you can pray for them. Of all my neighbors are of different faiths, so are mine. I mean, because the point isn't that the point is that 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 we're reaching out with our faith, and when eternity becomes real, everything changes. Have you picked up on that? 
the way we, the way we study, the way that we spend our time, the way that we talk, what stories we're sharing more than just Mac and, and the Cincinnati Bengals and their amazing season they're having. Hey, I've waited for 21 years to share that gospel. Party style. You guys are waiting for your, you guys are bored, aren't you? See, these six people were, these six people were guaranteed not to fall asleep today. So that's why I brought them up. The next one is the invitational style. You want to grab these bad boys? I mean, have you ever seen those little things? Just these little cards. Um, the invitational style. Um, in, in John chapter four, uh, Jesus goes up to this woman at the well and she was what you would call a prostitute or whatever word you want to use. I won't shock you again. Um, and, and said, hey, I've got something far greater for you and leads her to the Lord. And she goes back and she invites everybody in the town. Remember this? Says, come, John chapter four, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? Come and find out on your own. By the way, that's why this church exists. Do you understand that we try to throw a party for you every week just to be around you? And are you guys being good hosts, by the way? Just a little side note. You be good hosts, or we kind of in and out as quick as we can. But we we do this. I mean, you can grab these little cards. Some of you are invitational. You're like, man, I could never be confrontational. I don't even read. Um, I I just couldn't share my story, and you know, the pumpkin and vanilla cream thing just isn't my. But we had people. They just were the best inviters to come here, Jesus. All right, come to. Christmas at K2 or come to our small group. And we just, you know, we had these little cards at our church. <laughs> they were huge at New Hope back home. And I would, I remember the very first time I stood up and said, give these out to your friends. Here's how you do it. You give them out to your friends or when you go through the drive through just leave them. Or, you know, when you go to the bank or when you go to school or when you go to the place where you buy your drugs, just leave one. <laughs> That was, yeah, that last part they picked up on too, and I was so confused. So, but you could take those things and you could leave them anywhere. Man, if you're buying drugs, seriously, leave 10 of those at a non-pharmaceutical location is what I'm talking about. It's just a bad joke, okay? But you know, and, and listen, listen, we're, man, we're not, tr- if your goal is just to like convert people, that's not what Jesus said he came for. He did. He, he, if your goal is simply that, you're going to fail. The goal is to have an encounter with Jesus. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, everything changes. Let me, I got to give you the last one because we're out of time here. The last one's a serving style. Some of you are like this. Can you just like drape this? You know how, to, how it works, right? And you're going to serve. You know what? I should have asked my wife if I could use this whole illustration, but she's not in here. She'll be cool with it. Don't worry. My wife probably, she just doesn't like any of this stuff, but my wife is like, she's like one of the best servants I ever have known. See that? They're doing their thing. They're doing their thing. And she can just serve the snot out of anybody and do it in Jesus' name. There's a lady, um, it says in Acts chapter 9, her name was, was, was Tabitha. This is the serving style. It says in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. I don't know why the Bible goes on to put this in parentheses, which is when translated Dorcas. If you look at, I see some bumps on the humps there. That might be a good Bible name because I don't hear too many of those. But anyway, her name was Dorcas or Tabitha, same thing. 
who was always doing good and helping the poor. She was always a servant. Maybe that's you. And somebody finally says, why do you keep serving me? Why do you keep going out of your way? Why is it such a priority that you serve me? Because Jesus was like that. He called me to do that. Why don't you tell me about this, Jesus? I, I bet you that all of you fit into one of these styles somewhere. Remember I told you Jesus didn't come to convert people. Look at Luke 19, 10. It's the last passage I want to throw up in this part. But the son of man came to what? He came to seek and to save. See, he, it didn't just say he came to save. It said he came to seek. And that's a process, isn't it? Jesus' whole mission was to seek and to save the lost. And he encompassed all of this stuff. So let's do our little things. Do your things, guys. Show them, show them, show them. You're going to... You're going to fit into one of these things right here. I bet every single one of you can fit into more than one of them. But until your priorities and your, your, your whole lifestyle changes, it's never going to happen. Because when eternity becomes real, everything changes. D.T. Niles put it this way. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And when we figure this out, everything will change. Um, the band's going to come up and give these guys a hand. Guys, leave those we need. Thank you, guys. Just that's that's especially leave the mic. I mean, they kind of need that in this next part. Um, when it ch- everything will change. Let me just tell you, this band is rolling up here. Um, we had a campus. Our church started a campus in China, and you know what? We used to have people show up in China. Uh, China, as in like you know, far away. And it's not, you're not allowed to do this in China, if you haven't heard. And people would show up, they would walk, they would, they, they ride the, the bus for like 45 minutes and then they walk through a monsoon. And my dad tells a story of, of uh, a guy that, that in his family that would show up every single week. And he showed up after riding the train for an hour and walking through the rain and soaking wet, knocked on the door. My dad was just... I mean, we are Americans. We're so used to that. He walks, he's soaking wet. Under fear of, of death and everything else. And they are there because eternity and Jesus is just real to them. Dave Nelson was telling me when he was in Ethiopia, and the story just broke my heart. He said everywhere he went, he had two little guys always on his arm. Just, just everywhere he went, they were just, grasp they wouldn't let go of him 12 hours a day we don't understand that here but i pray that we could just take a small glimpse into eternity and know that when eternity becomes real in our life everything changes everybody you meet is standing on the edge of life let, let me let me finish with this there was a there's a um, boy, 17-year-old boy in, in England, and his name was Sean Dykes. And he's standing for hours on the third level of a parking garage. And he's just standing there, and he's threatening to kill himself. And a crowd had came around, and the police were there. And he's standing there looking down over the edge and the whole time. And, and these teenagers in the crowd, after a while, just start, Get it over with! Jump! Just jump. Just get it over with. Come on, just just do it. How far are you going to bounce, Sean? What do you think? 
screaming taunts and insults at this man the whole time. And finally, Sean, after three hours, he leapt to his death. And these kids came out with their cell phones and they're taking pictures. And eternity became really real for a 17-year-old boy that day. And I just think, you know what? If that's our picture every day when we walk through life, that everybody's on the edge and we don't know what this life holds. Now, again, we're not just supposed to live for heaven and neglect the hell that goes on around us here on earth and being like Jesus to them. But if we live life that way and remember that everything we do has a direct impact because God, listen, God puts you right where he wants you. He puts you in the family that you have on purpose. You're like, oh, thanks, dude. He puts you in the job that you're at for a reason. He puts you on your mission field to live out the value of being out there. Because when eternity becomes real in our lives, everything changes.